0: Today's episode of the Film Stage show is brought to you by Mubi. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com/filmstage. Out in the West, Texas town of El Paso. I fell in love with a Mexican girl.
1: Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina, music would
0: play and footy would whirl Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode the of the, food, the Film Stage Show, the, the, show movie the movie review podcast from Filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan, and with me today to I talk about Sicario, Mexican Day Maiden. of the Soldado, we have Bill Graham. Woo! And with us today to talk about this film, we have a special guest with us, because um, Michael couldn't make it, and we're not going to really get into why. Um, But yeah, we have in his stead, Connor O'Donnell.
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me.
0: Very glad to have you here. Are you excited to be a part of the show?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And to talk about the hotly anticipated sequel to Sicario... Oh boy. The movie with the, the this is probably the movie with the greatest subtitle in all of movie history. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I was gonna ask, we don't we don't have to say that the, the full title every time, right? Every
0: time I reference every, okay. this movie,
1: I will we be have to say it front whole to back yeah. the whole time. Okay, great.
0: I'm not even gonna call it this movie anymore. I'm constantly yeah. going to refer to it as Sicario Day of the Soldado.
1: Yeah. You should slip the two in there as well just to make it an extra mouthful.
0: <laughs> it this movie we, we haven't even earned talking about this movie yet but sure. you know it was called soldado just for a little while right uh, like it, it
1: it it was right like when it got announced which was like a what a month after sicario came out back in like 2015 yeah and then yeah it had that title and i mean it's just funny because it's just i don't know it's like way simpler and way better but
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> the first trailer was also just soldado wasn't it I I thought it was. They uh, made a point of saying like the next chapter in the Sicario saga or whatever, and it was just Soldado. And then the next trailer came out, and it was like Sicario: Day of the Soldado.
1: Right, and it's had it's had like a a weird like interesting journey as a title of a movie because it you know soldado is nice and simple and makes sense if that's the sequel to sicario it's just nice and simple and then obviously sicario becomes this like sort of little sleeper hit kind of thing and then they're like oh we have ip on our hands we gotta you know we gotta like slap that in front of it and then i honestly couldn't tell you how day of got in there
0: yeah, I literally. This movie does not take place over the course of a day. Right. It's um. I mean, yeah. I you know we'll talk about it. But anyway, that's a preview of our thoughts on Sicario: Day of the Soldado. Um, before we get into that, the usual stuff. Uh, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook the Film Stage Show, email us podcast at thefilmstage.com, dot com, and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And um, we're brought to you. By a number of things. First of all, all of our wonderful patrons who go to patreon.com slash the film stage show and give us their money so that we can produce these wonderful episodes for your listening pleasure. In addition, <clears throat> we are brought to you by Movie, the online streaming cinema. And you can get a free 30-day trial of Movie by going to MUBI.com slash I.com/slash/FilmStage. Mubi allows you to download your films, their films onto your phone so that you can watch them on the go. In addition, their curators select a new film every day, so you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 films to watch. You have 30 days to watch before they disappear into the ether. You can watch on your cell phone, your smart TV, your laptop, your PC, your tablet, anything. They have great stuff on there, so go check it out and for a free 30-day trial, go to MU- bi.com slash film stage talking about great movies we have a giveaway going on hooray and Ooh, <laughs> can, yay! yeah john water's female trouble on criterion so if you love yourself the finest film transfers the best sound the best picture quality with a bunch of extras criterion is the way to go and they are offering John Waters' Female Trouble and uh you know as a guy from Maryland, John Waters, Baltimore boy, so I'm pretty excited about this. And um if you're a patron, you can tweet at our account on Twitter and uh let us know that you're interested and uh as part of the wonders of being a patron, that means that you have an extra chance to win. So if you would like John Waters female trouble, and you don't want to take your chances on a lower tier, go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to become a patron and get a boost. And Connor, I believe you also have an announcement you'd like to make.
1: Yeah, um, so I uh, was fortunate enough to be the first guest on the pilot episode of a, uh, a film stage podcast that Dan Mecca is putting together. Uh, it's called The B-Side. Um, our first episode features uh, features the work of Tom Cruise. Basically, the gist of the podcast is uh, essentially, you know, each episode will take a look at the sort of B sides of every uh, of every you know different kinds of actors and certain portions of their filmographies um, that people don't necessarily think about. So the the inaugural episode um, will be about Tom Cruise's United. Uh, to be dropping, uh, pretty shortly. We're going to, we're going to coincide it with the uh, release of fallout, uh, later this month. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be on the same feed that this show is on. So if you're already, uh, yeah, if you're already following it, uh, you won't have to search for it and, uh, yeah, it should be popping up, uh, the B side.
0: So will that include lions for lambs?
1: It does, actually. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a it's a so um, I don't know exactly how many now. I know Dan has a has a couple in the can, but uh, we recorded two. Uh, one that was Tom Cruise and one that was Keanu Reeves and, uh, the Cruise one, it re- we really only cover like three or four movies in that one. So it's going to be a little bit, a little bit shorter, a little bit, something to, to whet the appetite of people as they, uh, as they get into the show, hopefully. Um, but yeah, we do, we basically talk about three movies that don't exist. And one of them is lines for lamps.
0: What are the Keanu Reeves ones you did? Is is one of them Shane reaction? Uh, no, I won't spoil
1: specifically which movies, but I guess you could look it up for yourself. We did, um, part of what we wanted to do is kind of look at an actor after they's after they've achieved success. Uh, but you know w- what they did before they kind of really capitalized on that success. So we covered all the movies that Keanu makes between, um, the matrix and the matrix reloaded. Um, so so there are a couple there are a couple good ones you'll get to uh you'll get to hear me mispronounce Charlize Theron's name the entire episode which
0: is how did you pronounce it
1: I say I said Theron because I wasn't thinking and I was a big doofus so uh so yeah unfortunately I'll have to live with for the rest of my life
0: now I'm trying to remember what movie she did with Keanu Reeves
1: all of the great ones No, oh, uh, devil's
0: advocate yeah, de-
1: a couple yeah they did devil's advocate right. and they within and this was like within that same period uh they did devil's advocate and they did sweet november
0: oh, 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 uh, yeah.
1: which which is not a good film but i kind of have a soft spot for it but uh one
0: where she's like got cancer and is like committed to helping him learn how to live right right it's basically the
1: same movie as the winona Ryder, richard Gere movie autumn in new york oh my like it's like yeah, which is weird to think about. Uh but yeah, anyway, uh, I don't know specifically what the release date for that episode will be. Uh, I would imagine maybe we'd try and coincide it with the uh with the release of um uh, X three? No, what is it? The uh <laughs> no the Winona movie that's coming out, uh Destination Wedding with oh, Keanu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would oh. I would imagine that's the plan, but don't don't hold me to that. I can say for sure that our uh our cruise episode is gonna be out uh the week of Fallout. So
0: So yeah, check those out. They will be on this feed. So if you're already subscribed to this, uh you're ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, that is the B side.
0: Yeah, yeah. I gotta get myself on that. Gotta even though Dan Mecca and I are sort of uh, mortal enemies. So I don't know how he'll react to the idea if I approach him, but I think that uh, that level of conflict could really add something.
1: Yeah, it'll make that <laughs> it'll it'll make it that much better.
0: Yeah, Dan Mecca and I are like sworn sworn enemies. It's uh it's great. Anyway, um, we're here to talk about Sicario: Day of the Soldado, which is out in theaters now. It was released wide this week. It is the follow up to Denis Villeneuve's Sicario from a couple of years ago. Once again, this movie is written by Tyler Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan, talking about mispronouncing people with T's in their name. Um, it's directed, this time, by Stefano Salima, and once again stars Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin, with the addition of Isabella Moner um, and Catherine Keener, and the wonderful Matthew Modine. So, let's talk about it. Here is the trailer.
2: I know who you are. You're the attorney whose family they killed.
0: Not they.
1: My father.
2: (laughs) And now you hunt them. Adiós.
0: Yeah, I had to let the trailer go up until the point that he does the, uh, the weird finger maneuver with his gun.
1: Okay. So what, real quick, what are, what are our thoughts on the finger thing?
0: I have spent too much time thinking <laughs> about this. I don't know, Bill, you're from Texas, Connor, I don't know where you're located, but like, do you guys have any hands-on experience with firearms?
1: I, I live in New York, but I, you know, like I fired one before.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've shot my fair share. All right. So I was a competitive target shooter in, in high school. Um, I almost went to college trying to become like a world-class Olympic level target shooter. Now that's with a 22 caliber long rifle. However, I have gotten into pistol. I own a pistol. I go to the range every now and then. I have spent so much time considering what that could be like. Like, why would one do that? And I have to say that if you're shooting close range, rapid fire, I think that that is a solid technique to use.
1: I kind of think so as well. Granted, I say this is someone who knows little to nothing about, about firearms. Uh, but it just, it does seem like if you're sort of giving yourself something that you could quickly just sort of jiggle the gun against, you know, it would just fire faster, especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to like, you know, he's in like a public space and, you know, trying to basically get, you know, the most bang for his buck there. But, uh, yeah. So it's kind like, it's, it seems smart but it's not that cool and I think this movie thinks it's cooler than it
0: is. I Okay, see, does that I make mean, sense? I haven't been asked if I think it's cool or not. That's something I haven't really considered. I think it's a good visual. And I think that just to go through my my process of thinking about this, when you squeeze the trigger of a gun, your hand moves a little bit, especially if you're moving very fast. So if you're working with the recoil while squeezing the trigger like I don't know if any of you out there in listener land have ever shot a pistol but like the recoil is a real thing you got to worry about like rapid fire with a pistol your first your first shot will go where you expect it to go the rest of them you just got to hope and I think that by having a static finger that you force the trigger against you're diminishing the impact of the recoil a bit but again Really, only if you're standing over a guy on a sidewalk in Mexico City. Right. right, (laughs) You have to be super close. There was a moment where I considered going to the gun range with my CZ-83 and seeing if I could do this. But um, I talked myself out of it.
2: Again, that that sounds bad
0: situation potential. Yeah. I, I feel like if I did it, first of all, it's not worth it for this podcast. I love everyone who listens to this, but our audience isn't big enough to justify me driving forty-five minutes to the range one day and possibly getting kicked out when the the owner of the range comes over and says, "God damn it, I had to post a sign: No Sicario Day of the Solano." <laughs> right.
1: God, I was just sign. I was just gonna say. I wonder how many times you've had like people who maybe aren't really thinking it through show up at gun ranges, being like, "Maybe if I just did the." did the thing real quick. Maybe it would work. I feel like that. I feel like there are signs of like of Benicio doing that being like, don't do this.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This, this film should have come up with a PSA in front of it. Like, like they do with the Incredibles where they're like, Hey, this movie took 14 years to make. Like, this is great. And just have Benicio just be on screen and be like, guys, this is a fucking movie. Don't do this. <laughs> this is a terrible idea.
0: But, you know, the, the movie seems to be striving for a slight amount of verisimilitude in some areas. And I just I wonder about yeah, like, uh, sure, you know, if if, so, if if they've got a guy on set like their armor, who's like, yeah, you know, this actually works.
1: So that's, I mean, I think, well, you bring that up. I mean, I think that's sort of what's weird and not not to segue out of this, but like what I think what's weird about the movie a little bit is how much it sort of, I think, kind of struggles with like, okay, how much of the real world do we want this movie to look like and how much of it is going to be some sort of like semi fictionalization of it. Right. You know, um, I think. What's a little, what's a little strange. I actually, so I saw it again today, uh, right before doing this. Cause I wanted to keep myself fresh. Jesus. And
2: guess, guess outpacing us, outclassing oh, us. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I sorry. wish
0: I had gone to the gun sorry. range just so I could be like, well, uh, you may have seen it twice, <laughs> but I shot a gun Benicio style.
1: I well, look, I graded. And lived. i'm i am sort of just just shy of like positive on this movie i think it's i think it's fine uh but there are things i liked more and things i liked less and one of the things that i'm still really mixed on with it is just that sort of aspect of it like the the way that it kind of i think you can like because and correct me if i'm wrong but he wrote this movie a while ago right i believe and Right, he basically. I don't know if he had it like ready to go right away, but like I recall it being something like that. Like when when it got announced as Soldado in 2015, he was either writing it or had just finished writing it. Uh, And and somebody, please, you know, listeners, feel free to like yell at me on Twitter if that's incorrect. But uh, but it feels like that. It feels like he kind of wrote this movie in a. I mean. Not to be too frank about it, but in a different America, right? Like he wrote, like he wrote it in a world where you know certain things weren't happening the way they, you know, they were now or are now with you know the way we treat immigrants and whatnot. And it feels like this movie, you know, they have that sort of like uh, Keener. And are we are we going to get into spoilers on this? Yeah, there will
0: be a specific spoiler section.
1: Okay. So I won't, I won't go too far into it, but you know, the conversations that they have about the, the you know, the unnamed president of the United States, yeah. there's a little bit of an element of like, you're like, it feels like they're talking about Obama. It doesn't feel like they're talking about Trump. I right? Would, like um,
0: Yeah. I, I'd love to talk about that. Cause it feels, it feels like it's hard to say because you could read it as either one, but yeah, sure. it's like the reasoning behind it would be different. Um, just because right, right. Trump has proven that like for all of his bluster, he is not one to hold on to his supposed moral stands. If it really like fucks with him too much.
1: Right. Right. And, and I think, yeah, I don't know. It's so I think this movie, I think, I don't know if it was Sheridan or, uh, Salima or, or I don't know who got involved at what point And maybe they were like, okay, we got to maybe rework this or that or the other thing. Like I'd be curious to see what, the script now, like the script for this movie now, looks like compared to the script in 2015. Yeah. Um, I, it might not be different at all because, to your point, I feel like you could like they probably could have released this movie the year after Sicario, and it, it would have read maybe a little differently, but kind of the same, you know. Um, and it's a it's interesting. I think it puts it uh, for a movie that you know obviously seems to sort of like want to tackle such, such a hot button issue. Uh, it, it's weird that it also feels semi-dated already.
0: In that way, I mean, you, you said that you're just this side of positive or you're just shy of positive. I came out of this movie like, I, I loved Sicario. I can't remember precisely where it ranked on my top 10 of the year, but I know it was there and I know it was fairly high. And right. I so I had, you know, seeing this movie, I was like, you know, it's probably not going to be as good as Sicario. And some of that I will chalk up to my, like, just intense love of Denis Villeneuve. And um, I just, uh, you know, seeing this, it was it was fine. I didn't dislike it. Oh, Sicario was number three that year. I had a very huh. strange 2015, apparently. World of Tomorrow <laughs> was number one. Sean the Sheep oh. movie was number two. And then Sicario. <laughs> um, That's a hell of a trip. Oh. Yeah. Look. Okay. not pigeonhole me. So <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, but, you know, I walked into this movie, and i was and and I walked out feeling, um like this is a sort of lesser Harrison Ford era Jack Ryan movie
1: that I completely I completely agree with that because i even i and I think I kind of thought this like in the immediate uh, in the immediate moment that Josh brawlin re-enters, sort of. movie or this movie you know these movies uh as soon as you see him again there i don't know there's something about uh his character that you're kind of like how was this dude not like He feels like a grocery store paperback character. Yeah. Like it just it it feels like there are 20 of these somewhere sitting there and (laughs) and and Graver and Alejandro have been on millions of missions together. And there are, you know, like 120 page novels that aren't that well written about all of them. Right. like
0: There was a movie that came out, I think, either this year or maybe last year called American Assassin. And that is based on the Vince Flynn novels that feature the protagonist, like, super spy Mitch Rapp. And okay, yeah. In high school, and maybe middle school, I can't remember how far back this goes, but I, like, ate those things up. And I loved Mitch Rapp. And his whole thing was, like, his his girlfriend or his fiance was on, like, uh, some airliner that was bombed by terrorists. And so he, like trained himself to go kill them and then was like picked up by the CIA to be a black ops guy. And in this movie and in Sicario, but like definitely more in this movie, you really get that feeling from Benicio del Toro's Alejandro. It's like, this is a mild mannered man who was forced to go beyond his limits and like sell his soul to like avenge those who he, uh, he lost. And so like at the end of the day, like this isn't as good as Sicario. I think that like Sicario really kind of almost tricks you for a while into thinking that it's like some, some like not pulp and then it really turns hard into pulp. And I think that this movie is coasting off of that turn. It's, it's, it's really laying down the pulp foundations. And, um, and I think that that's fine. I think that, you know, this isn't as good or great a movie as Sicario but it's a, uh, it's, it's like a serviceable summer action film with
1: like kind, some,
0: kind
1: you know, of, yeah, no, 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 I just, I, it's weird to me. Cause it's like, there's, I think another part of this movie that feels, um, it, and maybe it's because it's not directed by Denis news. So it doesn't have as like deft to hand, you know, guiding everything. This movie feels meaner. Um, and not in like a good way, like not. And I, and I think, I think a, a big part of that is that you know the Emily Blunt's character uh, and Daniel Kaluuya's character, they're they're like these like anchors in Sicario, right? They are they are the viewer, right? They allow you to kind of watch what Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro do as displeasing as some of it might be and 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 at least them reacting to it to a certain degree can be the audience reacting to it like oof, whoa this is intense and it might not be okay right and this movie doesn't have that so you're just like watching these people do these really questionable things yeah and it's and it's and it's it just it's like a little tougher to swallow i think
0: yeah i mean and sicario it, 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 is about it, emily blunt's like not corruption, but her disillusionment and like the knowledge right. of you can't be a good person and operate in these spheres. And that's why you have someone like Alejandro who isn't motivated by what's right or wrong, but is motivated by vengeance. Like that's what makes right. him so good. And this right. movie is just, you've basically removed the heart and the brain and you're just left with all the sinew and bones.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Are, are There's- we are we going to do like sections where we each individually get to talk about it or are we just like jumping in? I am I'm, I'm confused like just have this. Yeah. It, oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah no, we, we <laughs> starting with the gun pole thing and then we just jumped into it. Bill, I'm curious. So we're either close to positive or barely positive. How did you react to this movie?
2: So I think I, I was really, film and and the second and then or uh, Sicario and then this film and he was kind of relating it to something like Zero Dark 30 where basically these films are just made so damn well whether they you come out of them saying hey that was really entertaining and fun or you come out, out of it saying that was oddly fun You know, is is kind of one of these kind of uh, narrow marks to hit for some of these films because they dabble in stuff where you start to realize how close it kind of hews to reality or some of the things that it's touching on hews a little bit too close to reality. Um, And, you know, some people just can't handle that, can't strip and take that as entertainment. Versus just having it be straight commentary, and I think it's difficult to kind of uh, to mind that as a action thriller. Um, but this film manages to both be, I, and I'm not sure if they did this intentionally. Once they started to realize, you know, where our political sphere and and You know, thoughts on immigration were going if they just barreled forward and said, "Okay, this isn't going to reflect reality, but we're just going to go for it anyways." Um, So, in that light, I think it's it's a very well-made movie. How much more entertaining is it versus Sicario? I think obviously Sicario is just you know leaps and bounds ahead of so many other films that this could have been. I do think. Sicario could have easily been pulp for pulp's sake, and it managed to, managed to be a heightened version of that because of Denny Villeneuve, because of the cinematographer uh, Deacons, because of the music, and even the performances. Um, and this film, what it does is basically the first film was hey let's let's have a sheep run with the wolves and have the sheep kind of comment on what the wolves do and this film's just like no more sheep let's just do the wolf thing and i think it's altogether a different film for that so they're not they're not shooting for the same kind of uh high mindedness and stuff like that but it is interesting to kind of realize like what source of entertainment am I supposed to take from this? Am I supposed to be happy that some of these people get killed or am I supposed to be, you know, kind of mixed? And so anytime we deal with a film like this, that kind of, you know, plays with that reality. I think it's always interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, the first film was Nia. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've seen the first film, so I don't have any qualms about spoiling Sicario. Not that I'm going to do it point by point, but yeah. So the first film is like, it's nihilistic, but in the eyes of an outsider. And so, and it feels as though they've made some gentle stride in the right direction, but like th- for, through all of the wrong means. And this movie it's is a lot dirtier and nothing is as clean as it was in the first movie. And it just feels like... This is a whole... I don't know if there's a third movie coming out. I don't know how well this movie is doing. But this is just like a a series of entropy. And like the entropy of just nothing but violence. And... I mean, in that way, staggeringly effective. But also, this is just... It's a lot harder to watch at times. I mean, it opens with a series of suicide bombings. And like the second one is a little knife twisty it's like a little mm. yeah it's a little yeah. almost over the top in yeah. in the ways that it goes to like make you dislike the movie i'm curious um the two of you like what what was your audience like when you saw it like what did it who was it made up of and how did they react to it
1: um it was kind of I, like well, well so the uh the first well the first time i saw it was the a press screening right and they you know they they segregated the audience where the you know half the theater was public the public right and the other half was critics and so basically all the critics were largely like silent didn't really re- react and everybody else in the theater though reacted as if they were watching you know like an extended episode of homeland or something right like like just a very much like a, oh shit like definitely like you know they went along with all the twists all the turns and any of that and like it it's funny because I think it it's also very indicative of, like, a huge part of the success of the first one. Like, the first one came out, did pretty well, and then landed on, like, Amazon Prime, which feels like the perfect place for a movie like that, right? Like, if you're obviously not going to go see it in a theater. But, like, it it's the kind of movie – and, I mean, I think Taylor Sheridan's movies are largely like this. You know, they're the kind of movie that – no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, we can all kind of agree that some of them are pretty good, you know, like, but they feel like movies that dabble in both. If that makes sense. Like you can, you can kind of lean left or lean right. And I think glean something from a lot of the movies that he's written and or directed. Um, And this movie kind of, I think, uh, to your point, Bill, about the political sphere, I think was a really eye-opening experience, in, in terms of like watching it with an audience that was doing that, because you could kind of see people be uncomfortable, but also be really like entertained, and like even if you know, say, the opening suicide bombings, read, you know, potentially, like there, there does seem to be, I think, like a an undercurrent of like. Magaism to it, and like a little bit of xenophobia, even though like you you're basically watching like this blonde haired blue eyed mother and blonde haired blue eyed daughter like get blown up by a suicide bomber. And it feels like it feels like the kind of moment that like if caught on camera, Fox News would run over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. Um, And that to me, I don't necessarily know how specifically deliberate that is. So I'm not necessarily going to take the movie to task for that. But it is the kind of thing I think again to your point about like how how am i supposed to be entertained by this movie i think that scene does a pretty good job of like whittling that down for you in terms of like hey this is this movie and if you're not in right here then like you can you know you can watch something else you can watch something nicer you know
0: yeah i think the movie like does that on purpose or at least wrestles with that a little bit because it's like yeah you know you you have these suicide bombers who hit the american heartland and of course you know you have the uh secretary of defense coming up and you know steely eyed but with like just the right amount of mistiness talking about how like we're gonna fight this and then like the next meeting you see him and he's like very pleased as punch saying like So we've been able to spin this so that we're going to be able to go after the cartels who helped at least one of these bombers come over the border. Like, this is good news for us. We got some stuff going on. And we want you, Matt Graver, to like get dirty. Like, go in there and do what you do. And I think that, like, that primes you as an audience member to be like, fuck yeah, we're going to take it to them. And then as the movie goes on, you kind of just realize, like, how like bloody and pointless that is. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, just given the way that I, I've only seen now three of Sheridan's movies, I didn't see wind river, but like, I still have not either.
1: Yeah. No, it's, I don't, it's,
0: it's, it's I
2: very, it's very good. I really, want I've, I've, it. I've heard a lot of mixed things about it, but yeah, it's definitely on my list of things to yeah. watch. I need to get around to it.
0: I'm going to say something controversial. I think a lot of people performatively hate on Taylor Sheridan. I think <sighs> <Okay. that> like, <laughs> I, there I, is, I uh, I, think I, I I don't something... know. Go ahead, Bill.
2: I don't know. I, I think I know what you're going to get at, and it's his style of kind of filmmaking and and stuff like that. But I think a part of the reason why when River wasn't super well received is is some of the character. Who they're supposed to be, and Jeremy Renner doesn't necessarily fit that bill. Um, I haven't seen the film, so I can't speak on it any more than that. But from what I understand, some people don't like it because Jeremy Renner is definitely not Native American. Well, he's not. Is he?
0: I I don't, you know, not having seen the movie, he's not playing a Native American. No, no. He's, it's not like a, it's not like
1: a whitewashing scenario. Basically, he, uh, is married to a native American woman and they have a native American son and, uh, and had a daughter. And so he has a deep connection to it because his daughter disappeared in a similar fashion kind of thing. Um, a
0: lot of people are like, Oh, Taylor Sheridan. It's just a lot of like gruff men and violence. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I, I, I well, dig I dig that like,
1: I, I think, I think that's also underselling it. Like, I think, you know, uh, I was just talking with a friend and, uh she had mentioned she was like, Oh, he he kinda makes MAGA movies. And I was like, Well, yeah, kind of. Like there's definitely I think that's definitely there's a tone of that in this movie. I think there's a tone of that in hell or High, High Water, which I also like a lot. Like by and large, I, I I like the guy's work. Uh but I think I I think a big part of it is that he I is Mo- usually mostly able to kind of talk about certain things with a little bit of nuance and a little bit of just character to them. And, uh, I think I don't, in the grand scheme of his work, I, and while I am, like I said, sort of basically positive on this movie, I do think it might be the worst thing he's been involved with, like since he made Sicario. um, but i just cuz i think there's like definitely l- less nuance here than there is in maybe some of his other work and again yeah. he obviously he didn't direct the thing it's I, you know i'm not i can't shoulder it all on him but it also does seem like this franchise is a little bit of a baby of his so yeah. um yeah i mean i Poorly think a named baby yeah a <laughs> like baby stapler <laughs> yeah a very a very laboriously named baby
0: Roscoe 2 Roscoe Two, yeah, is that a baby? No, that's that's the name of the baby. <laughs> so you, so like, you're saying that your first child's name was Roscoe, and, mm-hmm. then, and then your second baby is named Roscoe Two, mm-hmm. Day of the Roscoe, <laughs> Day of the Roscoe, sure. no, Day of the
2: Roscoe, <laughs> Roscoe Two, Roscolina
0: yeah so so i'm i i find it interesting that people say that like his movies are are you know make america great again trump style because like nothing in them to me in what they're saying and where they go really appeals or should appeal to someone who claims to be a trump supporter i mean like the true maga version of this movie or sicario would end with the you know american military fully outsmarting and defeating sure sure uh, the cartels and like it, proving how awful everyone is and like it, this movie this movie has less nuance than sicario but it's still more nuanced than that and yeah i and agree heller high water basically looks at all the people who you think of as like the new york times op-ed pages like feature of a right. trump voter right 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 and literally has a native american characters say my people were here first then your people came and knocked my people out and now whatever's coming is going to knock your people out and that's how it works out here and it's like it's it's saying like yeah you're in decline but that's the nature of life is that your people will be in decline and then you will Mm. be the minority and it's not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing it's just saying that's a thing and i feel like again you know at the end of the movie." At the end of, I'm okay, I'm not going to spoil Hell or High Water. It's a great movie. You all go <laughs> see it. But like, yeah. it's it's not saying like, look at these white people who've gotten their lives back. It's basically like, look at these white people who've stolen this small bit of dignity that they can back, and at great cost. And like, to what end, really?
1: Right. And I think, I, I think that's why I think by and large, his movies, right, Taylor Sheridan's movies. I think do have a a really nice, broad appeal because I think you can come at them from, you know, either side of the political spectrum and be like, Mm -hmm. that was good. That was good. And I think it does probably hinge upon, you know, how cynical you are, or, I mean, you know, obviously which side of the spectrum you're on and, and all that. But I do think part of the, uh, the secret success to a movie like the first Sicario is that right. Is you could like, you could kind of watch it as like a hoorah movie, like hoorah, let's like crack down on the cartels kind of movie. Or you could watch it as a little bit of like a, Ooh, like we need to be more careful about stuff like this. Cause we're not doing a great job. Like, you know, like I think that there's a, I think that there's an inherent balance in a movie, uh, in a movie like that. I think this movie still has that. I, but I do think to a, significantly lesser degree yeah, and i, I mean, think i think i think that's the difference between you know we talk about you know this one missing the brain i think that's where the brain was with that movie and i think it's not there really with this movie there's definitely like some nuance and i don't think it you know and we'll get into it in a little bit but you know until the third act i don't think this movie treats its violence violence as like you know, it treats it like violence and I think it treats it smartly. Uh and it doesn't treat it as like a straight up actioner um as much as I think, say, the marketing would have, you believe. Um it's it's a little smarter than that, but I also definitely see a world where like if you watch the trailer for this movie, you're like, Oh, that's gonna be in the bargain bin at my local Walmart for seven ninety nine. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it just two
0: months I will buy this out of the five dollar bin at Yeah. Design.
1: It, and it, and it, you know, they might i still I th- be
0: trying to get 20 bucks for Sicario.
1: Ex- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's, it's just a result of kind of, a, everything feels watered down. And I think, uh, I think the lack of the, you know, the big tenants that made Sicario the great movie that it is, um, I think, put this movie kind of in a tough spot where it almost doesn't even have room to be a smart movie, even if it wanted to.
0: Yeah, I mean, so for me, like I said, like not having Kaluuya and Blunt in it, it 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 makes it harder to see what it's trying to do. But like the way that it all wraps up and just the way that, you know, the characters talk about the situation, like it's, it's almost funny to see Sicario and see like how, Blunt is the only person who's operating as though this might work and everyone else is like, yeah, you know, just fuck up some shit and hopefully that'll knock them off their feet for a little while
1: right like, they're they're
2: basically hitting a hornet's nest and blunt is sitting on the side like guys i don't think this is gonna work that well and they're like no 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 this is definitely gonna
0: work we've done this before
2: like, <laughs> and it's like it's like wow okay they really want that honey and going i I victory, know
0: we're go- yeah, i was about to say hornets don't make honey bill yeah I know. I know. <laughs> but no it's it really is it's it's this And again, this is how it's like, this is how it's not a MAGA um, film, a MAGA movie. It's like, it's not really according to them, because I would almost say that, like, if you were to go back and see something like Clear and Present Danger, like, that is the kind of movie where it's like, if Jack Ryan is just smart enough and can get these bean counters on Capitol Hill to listen to him, then everything's going to go great. (laughs) But this movie's like, okay, so the unbridled force of the American military. We finally are going to unleash that rah, rah, hooray. And then you just have these cynical jaded guys who are like, well, I guess we go to go kill some people. And then, um, hopefully they'll start killing each other. And then that'll just take some of the tension off of us. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) that's not the kind of plan that I expect that like a Trump supporting, you know, person would really go for like they expect like us to sweep in world police style which is weird because like 10 years ago that was not a conservative tenant well maybe 20 years ago now but like right. used to, we you know the conservative movement used to be like let's just let the world tear itself apart and let's hang out and hang like and work on ourselves and now right it's like well what we got to do is we got to deploy the deltas in new mexico shore up the border with canada for some reason and uh nuke japan and it's like well Why Japan? And it's like, well, they've got that Kim Jong whatever. And it's like, no, that's North Korea. And they're like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) As political as I get on this podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, like the, the moral grayness of this movie, that it comes out after what appears to be a fairly jingoistic beginning, I think offsets that kind of thing in a way that people don't really want to give it credit for.
1: I think so. I mean, it definitely like look, I mean, I'm not going to make any bones about it, right? Like I by and large I see most, you know, Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg movies that come out and I'm like, "ugh, okay." Right? Like it's like, "Okay, it's another it's another one of these." Uh, and this movie sort of felt like that and even like I you know, I think the first 20 minutes Almost threatens to capitalize on that a little bit because there is it does like check these boxes. It feels like at first like it's like ISIS check Mexicans check like it's just like literally like populating this film with enemies that are just you know the other right and a little bit I you know on first watch I rolled my eyes a little bit because I was like fuck guys okay like okay sure and then you know watching it a second time I mean it definitely. Uh, it definitely wants you to do that almost. It almost like Mm. is asking you to be like, this is what you like. This this is what everybody, you know, on the news, whatever, this is what you're told is like, are like the two biggest threats, right. That are just getting thrown at you. And like, we're going to show you why there's like a little bit more to it than that. And I, I think the problem is that like, that's as far as the movie goes, you know, like it doesn't, I don't, I don't think it really, tries to like dissect all the complexities of like what it's got going on Mm. and it it uh it's it's a bummer because it just winds up being i think less of a movie
0: for it yeah and i think in that way like there's there's a version of this movie that i think is closer to what sicario the original was and that would involve really drilling down into how simple these people think the this situation is I mean like like you were saying like they throw out like Mexican cartels ISIL or ISIS or whatever and it can feel like an early 90s Tom Clancy thing where it's just like oh radical jihadists you know hooray we have an enemy that we can kill but in this movie I think like looking at it I was like yeah this feels like exactly how an administration goes about doing things it's like all right so there was a bombing how many of our pre-set enemies can we tie to this at once? And how can we leverage this to help us fight those people that we're already fighting? And, you know, that's sure, kind of what this, movie this movie is... is all about. And it's like, it... you know, failing to, to negotiate the complexity or the root cause is like a great way to spend your appropriations money, but it's not a great way to actually, like, get anything done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, to that end, uh, I would love to just like do a brief, you know, subjective little run through before we get into spoilers. So, like, the music obviously, uh, Johan Johansson had passed. RIP. Yeah. That is like a great loss. I. Yes. You know, I. This is weird to say, but like when Prince died, I was not <laughs> oh, fine God. with it, but like I didn't have the <laughs> emotional reaction that a lot of people did. But like when I found out that Johan Johansson died, I was like, oh, fuck, but he is so good. Like, can you imagine the John Williams esque repertoire that he could have built up if he had just lived? Sure. Yeah. I think this movie does a serviceable job of, like, kind of mimicking his style without feeling like it's being just the same again.
1: Sure. It, I mean, and you can,
0: towards you, the end, they definitely replicate it yeah. as well. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. I mean, it's it feels. Uh, and I think I think this is also has to do a little bit with like that Johan Johansson's not doing the music combined with the lack of Deacon's visuals, right? Because I yeah. think those two things combined in the first one drove home a lot. And I think maybe uh, you know, maybe the score would have been able to do a little bit more heavy lifting if it was combined with Deacon's visuals. But since that wasn't here as well, and even even that, right. It, like there are shots that you can tell are like there were a lot of shots like this in in the first sicario right yeah and and it and it's you know it's it's certainly not bad cinematography, you know I mean
0: but it's not transcendent, it's not right uh, it's good, exactly but it's not great, and that's kind of you know how a lot of the pieces of this film are, and then they're just not compiled well enough to be you know. This, this movie feels like the sum of its parts and Sicario felt like greater than the sum of its parts.
1: Sure. Sure. I I think another part of it too, is, you know, you have, you know, in the first one you had Emily Blunt doing the heavy lifting. So you got, you know, you got Benicio del Toro's quiet brooding and, uh, and Josh Brolin's like quippy little sort of maybe crazy CIA guy. Right. and, and, and it feels fun when you have Blunt at the center of that, right? Like, Where you're I'm like, who do this
0: confusion like yeah. what the fuck is going on really helps?
1: Yeah, and in this
2: when when it's <laughs> Yeah, that that sequence when when Daniel Kalua is basically like, tell me what the fuck is going on, and they basically like like give him little nibbles at at you know the actual truth. And they're like, "Is that enough?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm good."
1: Right. And they're like,
2: right. "They're like, cool. All right, bye."
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. It, it's like it's like wow. It's a it's a really like you know, and I don't want to say funny because you know none of this is funny, but but it is like a funny little tit for tat routine that they have, and it and it feels like these guys have been doing this together forever, right? And I think when you're just watching the two of them, and I I do both think the two of them are the strongest parts of this movie, um, across like in in front of and behind the camera. Um, I think they both get phenomenal performances, but I just think that like they're asked to do a lot when they don't have that much. And so it's, it's sort of interesting to kind of try and watch them navigate that. And I think part of what suffers a little bit is I, I do think it makes, you know, I do think it makes their turns a little bit uh a little bit tough to swallow because they haven't really felt like real character like full full characters up right. until this I mean, point it's,
0: it's it's kind of funny this sequel suffers in the same way that like the lost world or I guess like solo a star wars movie story whatever like suffers because you've taken these really interesting side characters and then tried to make them your main person and it's like they're just not and,
2: as interesting. And well, but not yeah. just that, but and heap like the narrative like fulcrum on them on right. their shoulders. Like right. and, and it's like the... it's like ooh too much. Like like have another fun <laughs> yeah. fun middle character that you can focus on. And I think Keener's character could have been could have fit that bill.
0: Well, we could have had more of her or something. She's too in the shit as well. I think that what you really want sure. in this movie and what I was kind of expecting the movie to do was to give the blunt-esque, you know, first-person narrative to um, Isabel uh, or Isabel Reyes, who's played mm-hmm. by uh, Isabella Moner, Yeah. And, because, um, like, if you think about how this movie would look if it was told from her point of view, like, that, I think, is an interesting movie, to, like, to basically it, it, have it, it, an entire it, movie told from the point that. of yeah. view of the yeah. one. I I. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it does try, like Bill says, to switch to that at some point. But I think it's just, you spend too much time with these other guys. Like, I think that if this movie were just to snap to her point of view and stick with it immediately upon seeing her in that schoolyard fight, which is one of the most effective ways that I've seen a character introduced. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved the hell out of that. Like, this girl who's got all of this, like... Just anger and violence in her, and knows the full power of her family, like against this private school, and it's like, all right, so expel me. And the guy's just like, I am not going to be beheaded over you, child.
1: Right, right, and it's it is it is funny because it does you know like there are certain sequences that that obviously they shift to her, to her point of view, and and there's an I, I think it, that's helpful in terms of you know that that character introduction I agree is like super strong. But almost kind of in a negative way where you're like, I don't know if I like this girl. Like she, like because she's she's leaning on that on that cloud. Right. And yes. But but then obviously as the movie goes on, you see the violence that she's surrounded by and like and you're kind and you're suddenly like, oh, like you didn't ask to be a part of any of this like at all. Like, you didn't ask to be the daughter of uh, the head of a cartel. Like, it's, you know, and it's... Yeah, she can
0: she can kick the shit out of other girls. She can wield her power over the headmaster at her school. But, like, the second that the guns are out, she's, like, a young girl again. Right. And I and kind it's- of it's- dig that because she's yeah, not yeah. just, you know, uh, PETA from Man on Fire. Like, this girl obviously has... The bones, uh, like the—I don't know why I keep going to like anatomical things—but she's got like the spirit of the limit on the poster. The she's yeah, in. it's the it's skulls. skulls. It's the skulls on the poster for sure. And she's got that. She's got that fierceness to her. But she also knows when she's out of her element. So I actually thought that, like, because looking at the trailer, so, so what you're like, what you're
2: saying is in like ten years we're gonna see or she has like a back tattoo
0: of of the soldado poster. It's possible. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say you know what let's um let's just say we're moving into spoilers okay (laughs) Okay. uh just so i can say this i mean like she's not gonna be like miguel was that his name the the kid miguel yeah yeah she's not gonna be like him where she like comes back a year later and is tatted up and yeah no you know full-on gangbanger (laughs) look but like i mean it's just i just feel like i wish the movie had just committed a little more to like okay so we've introduced those guys you know they're gonna be there And now we're just going to watch everything from the eyes of this person who, like, is just being shuttled around and shot around. (laughs) Right. And, like, there were times when I didn't even know. And I don't know if this is a fault of the movie. It probably is. But, like, you know, Benicio de Toro is like, I can't leave her here or she's dead. And I'm like, but who will be killing her? Will it be... Right. the cartels or will think, it be yeah. the u.s like the guy who picked her up in the ford silverado or whatever Mm-hmm. like was he you don't know you don't know who he's
2: who he's for or against right yeah. you're, you're just wondering I, I think one thing that's really interesting about this film for me is to understand that Neither of these films, from my understanding, have the budget to really pull off what they suggest in the middle of this movie, which is a full-on cartel-on-cartel war. They don't have the ability to show that. So in some ways, they kind of dangle that carrot and then try and slip you, I don't know, a piece of kale instead. And you're just like, whoa, whoa, wait, (laughs) wait. I thought I thought we were going to get the carrot and it's like no we're we're going to follow this little girl and it's like yeah but aren't you going to show the cartel on cartel war and it's like no we're not going to do that and it's like oh okay so so you started something and they never really like fully say that it has begun So I'm not going to say, you know, it's like a full demerit or whatever, but it's definitely like that's what they were hinting at was going to start and they never show anything like like that.
0: It seems like that roadside battle is that like, I feel like the people in the field are the Matamoros, the the federales are the Reyes cartel and these poor fucking dumb Americans who were trying to turn them against each other. Now have like the chip that everyone wants and are all getting shot at, and um, right,
1: right. I yeah, think it's it rough. I, yeah, and I, I think what, what, I think we're meant to believe is that this is all of this is the inciting incident. So yeah. In Sicario Three, Knight of the Soldado. Uh, <laughs>
0: <He'll> find another <laughs> we'll, we'll like get, cool yeah. Spanish word for a murderer,
1: right? It'll be like it'll be like ghost or something, or uh, you know, door, uh, the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it. it yeah, it's a weird. It is almost a weird bait and switch because they do allude to it. And and I was surprised with the efficiency at which they go about starting this war. It is literally like the scene where they kill the, the lawyer, right, with the finger thing. And then the other scene where they're like they're kidnapping her and blaming it on the Metamorphs, right? So it's this like – it's literally two incidents that are like – it's supposed to be retaliation, right, for the other – and then they leave it, and then it's gone. And then, like, w- maybe something's happening while we're not watching all this. But then it basically turns into like some form of like Shane, and yeah. we're watching and we're watching that movie instead, which I like kind of have a problem with. Not not even that bait and switch, like narratively, because I do think as this movie goes on, it does go like. Full tilt western, like it goes. If the last movie stopped us in pulp, and this one starts us in pulp, it like by the end of this movie, we're just there. We're like in <laughs> a pulp novel, and like you can feel like the sweat on the page. It's like
0: well, especially just the way it ends. Yeah, um, exactly. Mm-hmm, so like, mm-hmm. so first of all, I want to that
2: ask, it, it it ends like a dime store novel, doesn't right, it? Right, right. Like, it, like
0: you know, definitely. it almost ends like a superhero film ends. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. um, you know, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Um, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> sure. no, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: And, um, it- I'm, I, do you think, okay, so I just, for anyone who's listening, who for some reason hasn't seen this movie and is still listening to spoilers, which is an insane thing to do. But so he gets, El it Mandro, happens, Benicio del Toro gets full on shot in the face, Yeah, lives pretty badass. Um, I was a little, I couldn't in the moment decide whether or not I liked that or not i agree mm. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like it's oh, difficult shit. but, but, but it's, it's that is fucking awesome and then he like gets up and i'm like well that's insane and then he starts like rescuing himself and pushing through the pain and i was like okay no his performance is winning me over so it's
2: it's, it's one of those things that i noticed as soon as he got shot i was like that's a little low on the I head had, i had the same right.
0: reaction yeah
1: but, there's um, go ahead. there's no, no, I just I think that him that that thing right him getting shot in the head and living is is definitively the cherry of like no oh no, this is what this movie is
0: yeah
1: and this is what and this is what it has been and personally like you know I didn't I didn't like it when I saw it I was like fuck this movie but at the same time I think there's an element of like I just wasn't watching the movie I thought I was watching and I think that sure. exa- that's exactly what the first sicario does too. Mm-hmm. I think th- I think the difference between the two is that the first sicario still is that like you know semi smart pseudo political thriller with the pulp ending and I think it's both right whereas this is like is you know, as you said before, Brian, it's like just pulp, right? And, and I, I, I
0: think and, and, that like Blunt is like the innocence and the hope and like they break her at the end of the other movie. So like you can't really have that come back. You right. can't, you can't, can't do that, fallout can't, yeah. Of yeah. that. It's like, yep, this is the world we've created. Everything sucks. But Shh. Benicio Del Toro can take a bullet to the jaw.
1: Sh- sure. I think yeah. the only I think the only thing and this is the big problem I have with this movie is that this movie spends a lot of time talking about how complicated these issues are while also oversimplifying them, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I was saying about, like, um, the way that Matthew Modine and Catherine Keener are like, you know, hey, you know, we just want... They seem surprised that the federal police in Mexico might be corrupt. Right, right. You know, who are you talking about? Like, obviously, you know, the locals are corrupt. Like, why wouldn't the federales be corrupt as well? And so they're like, you weren't supposed to kill a bunch of federal officers. And the guys who were on the ground are like, but they were part of the Reyes cartel and they were trying to murder us. And they're like, it doesn't matter. The narrative's shifted. So we're shutting everything down. Also, we found out that like three of the suicide bombers were actually from New Jersey.
1: They were U.S. citizens. Yeah.
0: So we can't even keep up that pretense anymore. And so that's like what I'm talking about. You know, you said that it felt a little Obama-y, but like to me, that feels like a real Trump thing because he would sure. be like, OK, well, we have to look out for homegrown terrorists because that might lead to some white people. So instead, he's just like, well, let's not worry about it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, we're going to shut it down. I'm going to send out a tweet calling someone fat and the media will latch on to that. And we'll just forget that we ever tried to set the Matamores and the Reyes cartels against each other. And that just <laughs> leaves this poor, this poor girl who got kidnapped at gunpoint to be like, so i right, right. just going to die then. Right. And, you know, Matt at the end is so like fucking pissed off about that that he's like, I'm not following orders. I'm taking this girl. We're going to get her back and she's going to go into witness protection or something like and that is I, an insanely simplified thing to do. But at the end sure. of the movie, it's just like. I guess that's the only option.
1: Well, that's kind of the weird thing, right? Is that like, and I think also like the witness protection thing is like the capstone on what we're talking about. Like, like he's literally, it it feels like a throwaway line because I don't even think he's looking at the camera when he says it. So it may have even been ADR. Also, how can they hear each other when they're talking that close to the helicopter? But I won't get into that. Correct. He literally, he's like, he's like, we'll throw her into witness protection, and he even says it like a yeah, sure. I was oh, like, yeah,
2: I know what i <laughs> like, doing. This is, de- this is definitely wing wing of or see of the pants kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: But I, I thought th- that he shot the other guy through her, and I thought that they had just killed her I, off. I like, did too. Super, yeah, I was. Like, I did oh, too. Shit. Yeah. So like that was two things. I was like, okay, so Del Toro's dead, and this but, girl is dead, and now all we have left is Brolin, who's just like, man, I gotta get uh, another line of work
2: the the thing is though is he very specifically said that that was their target like or, or was the package or something something along those lines he he didn't say target because that would have been more like like oh we shoot her but he definitely said it it was you know eyes on the prize our yeah. prize is is in the seat and so when he shot her i was like that feels not like what they were supposed to do well, and
0: like their whole thing was like the girl knows what's up we gotta wipe her out like <laughs> yes, whoever gets, but... like if she tells anyone we're fucked and so my whole thing was like it was almost gonna be darkly comic where it's like this gang or this gang banger is like holding this little girl hostage and is like you can't shoot me because i've got a human shield but like doesn't You're realize sure? that they're trying to shoot the shield mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's not how it ends up being matt is, like, fed up with the bureaucracy. He's like, this is why nothing changes. And Catherine Keener's like, you think this is about changing things? Right, right. Which is a great it, line, because it's like, no, it, nothing that we're doing is for an end. We're just perpetuating the cycle, hopefully in a way that benefits us. Can we can we talk about
1: how, like, woefully underused Katherine Keener is in this movie?
0: I wish that she was just, like, the whole movie, because she is so great so, at playing, like, a take-no-prisoners, like... Prisoners, like busting balls like badass politico
1: yeah like i almost wish that but i feel like if you made her the other half of this story where it's almost like spy game where like she's spending most of her movie in like an office and to like make things happen i i feel and i don't know what specifically that narrative is but i feel like that's where maybe you get a little bit of like the brains of this movie back in terms of like the nuance of like just the issue at hand. Right. And I think, I think that their conversation that you just referenced, like, I think that's as nuanced as the movie gets. And it's, it's a little bit of a bummer because I think personally, that's, what's so great about the first one. Uh, and I think while watching this for me, I didn't quite, I wasn't picking up what the movie was putting down, right? Where it's just like, no, this is—it's a pulp action movie. Just watch it, let it just wash over you a little bit. And I—I I think that that's where the movie's a little unsuccessful. Is I think it—it it rears its head every once in a while of wanting to be both, and it's clearly like way more successful at one than it is the other. And it's weird and I, to
0: see a pulp movie that like trucks in the kind of moral ambiguity and like utter, utter like not defeat or victory, but like the pyrrhic like armistice of like reality right so it's it's super strange to like sit there and watch that and be like okay so this is shot and feels like your typical 90s action movie based off a tom clancy movie or something but it fully grapples with the reality of everything's fucked up no one's actually trying to change anything for the better and at the end of the day it's only going to get innocent people killed Hmm. it's really like it's it's dark and nihilistic but like there's a part of me that feels like yeah i mean like it would be really fucked up if this movie was like it's a very simple solution to the border either a we murder everyone or b you know we all just sit down and have coffee together and work it out oh. or, or we all become sicarios which i think is what the movie implies i think that, yeah i mean everybody <coughs> wants to be a sicario
1: at oh. the end of the day the sicario was in front of you <laughs> All
0: along. I was about to say the real Sicario was the friends we <laughs> made <laughs> along the way. The, the real the fifth, was love. Can, yeah, can, the we, fifth can we talk about <laughs> Can we talk
2: about some of the specific scenes? I want to. I want to talk about the Humvee sequence because a. I'm a little confused, and b. I just have a lot of like. I was really struck by that sequence in in the ways that it's staged and in the ways that it's kind of uh, displayed. I guess uh, one that was a fifty cow on the back of that, like I think it truck. might
0: have just been a seven point six two. In all honesty, so
2: so it wouldn't ah, go through
0: seven point six two. So
2: so it wouldn't go through a bulletproof glass. Like yeah,
0: I
1: don't think sh- it would no okay I think
2: that okay dad yeah. um anyway
0: like uh, you do that you're trying to force them out of the vehicle and like just lay down suppressing fire so they can't fire back
2: well the uh, and and on that note i think one of the most interesting things that i kind of picked up on was kind of furthering what happens in the first film when they have that uh uh border shootout um Where all of the soldiers are just super, super just relaxed and just like, oh, this is happening.
0: My favorite line in this movie is when Jeffrey Donovan sits back up and is like, fucking Mexican police shot me. (laughs) Yes.
2: Like that's, but like, so that sequence goes down and the shit really hits the fan very quickly. And what I was struck by was like they just kind of stay in their vehicle and they're just like we can ride this out until they start to have to reload and then we can slowly start to pick them off yeah, one they by call,
0: one. They call in the drone strike to take care of the guys on the side of the road. Yes. Who, who, who have, the big, the, mm-hmm, who have then then the big they, weapons
2: that are actually a threat.
0: Yeah. They're the guys with the fucking rocket launchers. Yes. <laughs> and um, and then they take out the, the Reyes guys who are the Federales. And then they they mop them up, and then everything's fine. And then the 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 surviving police like shoot at them. And I think those might have been real police people, but at that I point think, you know they're getting shot, so it doesn't.
1: Matter. Yes, I think they are because that's the big deal after this all happens, right? Yeah.
0: And like, well, I think, you know, I think they the is first and it's like, well, some of them may have been bad, but some of them may have been good. And it doesn't matter because they're all wearing police uniforms.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, and once they start shooting in my direction, I'm not going to say, oh, you have a weapon, but it's pointed down and you're on the ground. Like, I'm just gonna be like, no, I'm sorry. But if you get up. You know, I'm gonna have to put you down. So I might as well just go ahead because then I have to worry about. Okay, what do I do with you? Like, do I like zip tie you to a bunch of stuff? And it's like,
0: and we've already uh, seen what happens when uh, they leave people alive and exactly zip another and the, cop shows up and murders them.
2: Yeah, well, so I think that's I where like, I like I think they're, they're dead. A either way. Yeah. So that's that's one of those situations where it's it's just a lose lose situation. Yeah. Um And so, yeah.
1: I think that's where Donovan just gives them their burn notices, right?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. First of all, I am, I'll I'll see myself out. No, No. please stay forever. Um, (laughs) Jeffrey Donovan, who I love, I think I like had a 10 minute thing in the first movie. Like when we were podcasting about it, just talking about how much I loved him. I just realized that's, that's what he's from. I was like, I fucking recognize this
2: guy. It's burn. I've never, I've, I've never watched a minute of that show, but I've seen the USA like, Advertisement all Jeffrey over the place. Burn
0: notice slash touching evil Donovan. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No. I love Jeffrey Donovan beyond words, and I was a little upset that he wasn't in this movie more because I was like, oh, with with Emily Blunt not in it, and them being a little more obvious about like their black ops thing maybe the jeffrey donald be anymore but his time in this movie is not ill spent because no it's it's pretty well balanced yeah introduced stealing towels and soaps and lotions so good so good he feels doesn't he feel like he's like
1: the joey pantaliano character from the fugitive movies almost like if this is the sam gerard crew and (laughs) and brolin is sam gerard like that's who he is
0: like he's, the plucky guy. I mean, in, in the first movie, his like big line of dialogue is when they're driving by the headless corpses that are hung from an overpass. And he's just like, "Ah, oh, these guys are brilliant. They're so brilliant. Like, you know, you do something yeah. like that and who's going to fuck with you? It's amazing. And he's just like the guy who's seen it all and hasn't let it kill him on the inside, but has just decided he's going to like take what he can from it in terms of like joy and appreciation.
1: Which I maybe makes him a sociopath. Oh, probably, probably, but probably a really good drinking buddy too. Like, I almost, I want a character to just like at one point be like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, like I said, when he
0: sits up, and like you know, in a normal movie, someone would like rip open their shirt and be like, "All right, I'm alive." He just sits up and says, "Fucking Mexican police shot me," and it's just yeah. like. That's just funny because it seems like he's more pissed off at the fact that it was the Mexican police than the fact that right. he got shot. <laughs> right, right, and that's just well, that's yeah, it's, of... it's
2: the fact that they got the drop on him, and yeah. he's just like, "What the fuck are he's you? Like, yeah, you know, I'm plate. losing, I, I'm losing my edge." You know,
0: yeah. if I was like, <laughs> well, the moment I mean, of the movie, I was most concerned. I was like, "Did they just kill Jeffrey Donovan?"
2: I I didn't realize, um, a couple of things happen. So in the first Sicario film, I don't think they lose a single soldier on any of their missions. And in fact, the last one in particular, I thought they lost some people inside the, uh, inside the tunnels, but they didn't lose anyone because, uh, the one, one of the things that, uh, Brolin says as he gets back out, he's like, that was a clean mission, boys. And you're just like, oh, shit. Like, I, don't know. I mean I their whole. And so, they
0: never even get shot at. Like uh, when they're leaving Mexico in the first movie, I'm pretty sure that like,
2: oh no no. They no. see yeah, the I guns don't, don't and immediately
0: think, put them down without a single opposing shot going off.
2: I think I think shots go off inside the car, but yeah, like after people like have that, been shot. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly. Like a death
0: spasm. Um, yeah, I do want to talk about the very end of this movie. So like, Alejandro gets shot in the face, gets up. Gets a car, crashes. His his nonchalant grenading of the other car. Yeah. Like, that was awesome. Um, he crashes. I, I, it seems he, like he's going to die, but then he's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to live. I got shit to do. And then we cut to a year later and Miguel, who no longer looks like a clean cut, you know, immigrant boy, but is now all tatted up and stuff and is the alt-rights nightmare. Um, <laughs> he, he goes to the not Los Poyos Hermanos <laughs> and I just saw that I was like man Mexican themed chicken restaurants are getting a fucking lashing in popular culture but he goes back to where the manager usually is and he opens the door and there is Alejandro immaculately in a suit and he says you know you want to be a Sicario and then he says let's talk about your future and closes the
1: with, door. A, with a mouth full of teeth by the way like he, he's like talking as if he still has all of his teeth
0: I imagine he must have gotten reconstructive surgery done right right it's been a year He's still got those killer cigars, though. Um, yeah, and uh, so he closes the door. And I was like, so is he just going to straight up murder that kid? Like, is that, his, is that the lack yeah, of future it, that he has? Or is he going to like, recruit him?
2: It doesn't seem like that's a, that's a good kid to recruit
1: for, for your business. Right. But,
0: but you I can't just, even shoot a guy in the head properly. <laughs> it's like, if, if someone believes that they have shot you in the head and then you appear before them, like an avenging angel, I feel like you've got them. I feel like sure, no better sure. Way to lock you're like you're like. Le, let
2: me. You. Well, at that point, it's it, he should have said, "Let me tell you about the Avengers Initiative," right? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> like but you shot in me in the says, head.
0: Look, let's, I'm still let's alive. Talk about the Sicario Initiative. Sure. Well, it
1: feels like the lo- right. The logical next step, right, for Knight of the Soldado uh, would be Knight of the Donovan. Right, Knight well, <laughs> of the me, Burn Notice. Let me ask you all this.
2: Like, <laughs> is it, is it, is it
1: just absolutely, or is that no, just, no, no.
2: Okay. this, this in, is it just narrative convenience that he jumps off that truck? Why would he jump off that truck? I don't it understand is, what's was, going on.
1: I think he, I think he was, he was a felt little upset. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think he was guilty and they were glad handing him for it. And I think he just, he didn't want that to be who he was. You know, I think. And, that, and
2: so then he turns into a full on gangbanger. Yeah. Right. That
1: geez. part, I don't, that part, I, I will admit. Logistically, I don't necessarily get right. Like, he jumps off the truck, okay, but then flat. Like, did he then just walk out of the desert and then was like, nah, guys, I changed my mind. Put me at the chicken place, right? Like, I
0: feel like he, I feel like that's a life that he knows he can't walk away from now. Like, the guy that he meets the first time, what's his name? Uh, Gallo, which I think is a rooster in a, in a Spanish. Spanish is
1: rusty. I won't even try it
0: sounds like it yeah maybe. um so like gaio is like you know when someone lets me down like i kill their mother like but you don't seem like a guy who's gonna let me down and then like that other guy is gonna shoot alejandro and doesn't and the guy's like oh that's fine just give me the gun back bam and sure then, and so this kid steps up shoots him because he has to everyone's like treating him like a badass for it and he
1: well like, uh, out hold he's on like, hold
2: on do this he he his his cousin though is sticking up for him and is basically like hey man let me do this like he's, he's still just a kid, kid. Yeah. and and he steps forward at that moment so so he is given an out that he could have just sat sat on
0: right I, I mean like never having been part of a gang i don't i can't speak with any authority but i feel like were he to do that it would reflect poorly on him <laughs>
2: Perhaps, but I think that still wouldn't have been like, oh, well, then I'm going to kill him. It would have been, do you want a chance? And he would have just been like, okay, now I'm giving a, a- a, a dead or do this kind of situation. But he, it narratively, it feels like he was kind of given an out and he decided that he just wanted to go ahead and get it over with because possible, look like, like we all know what's going to happen in this scenario is if this isn't the moment that he's given that opportunity, it's coming down the line, right? So he's not going to be able to avoid it. Period. So, I just
0: my one thing was like, I feel like if you're that kid and you kill that guy, and then you come upon a truck full of the people who you'd been with and they're all dead, like that might swing your opinion. But I don't know if he walked the same road, you know. But I mean, he had to mm. have heard about it. Sure. I don't know. But, um, you know. He's obviously in the life. He doesn't have an issue with, with taking up parts of it. So, like, why not? Like, if that's, if, if you know, like they said, you're going to make more doing this than your dad has made all year. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why not go for that? But um, I'm curious. Like, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like, he's either going to murder this kid in the back of this chicken shack in the mall. Or he's going to be like, guess what you're doing now? I'm going to take you under my wing and, like, we're gonna, we're going to fuck shit up.
1: So here's the other thing though, right? Cause we all know that like Alejandro is totally cool murdering kids and, <laughs> and, and not even kids that shot him in the head. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's like the other weird, weird thing about where this movie leaves his character is we're kind and not only leaves, but sort of deals with him as you're sort of like, yeah, no, we, we like him, I guess. And, and, every so often watching this movie, I was like, he did fucking murder two innocent kids. like one movie ago. Like,
2: yeah, sure. Well, I I think, I think the, the hidden aspect here that we haven't quite touched on is, is Isabel. And I think it's Isabel and, and this kid that are going to become like the wonder twins. And they're going to (laughs) go take down the, the Mexican cartels, you know,
0: Ray of the Sicario.
2: Absolutely. absolutely He's going to like
1: use them as his insidious, Inside people to like to figure out the the inner working. No, I mean that. And 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 they're just going to look at stuff. They're
2: just going to look at all of these people and be like, "All of y'all are ghosts." Like that kid should have died in that in you know with all those other gangbangers, and she has been missing for like fifteen years, and then this guy's got like a scar on both sides of his cheeks.
0: (laughs) Like, well, I think what's going to happen in the next movie is that um. Emily Blunt is... I'm so glad recruit.
2: we, we transitioned to this
1: one.
0: <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm pitching t- Taylor Sheridan right now on my plans cool. for the Sicario 3 uh, Twilight of the Donovan. and oh, um, boy. I want Donovan to be a part of the next one. I will work him <laughs> in it any way I can. So, what it'll be is Emily Blunt finds Isabel Reyes and is like, I know the people who took you from your family and I want to get revenge on them because they professionally insulted me and I don't agree with them morally and Isabel's gonna be like cool I'm down with that and then (laughs) um that kid Miguel is gonna get harangued into it as well because he's gonna be like Alejandro's been running me and I don't like it and I want out of this life and they're like well we're taking down Alejandro and so it's gonna be Matt and Alejandro versus Emily Blunt and Miguel and Isabel Reyes and caught in the middle unsure of who he's going to Side with is Jeffrey Donovan. Naturally, Jeffrey, Jeffrey
2: whoever whoever has no, whoever has the nicer towels. That's that's gonna be the
0: winner. That's true. That's the given. Well, they're gonna put me in a Hyatt. What are you gonna do for me? (laughs) Which I was gonna say. He and and uh, Emily Blunt actually have been having a multi movie long affair that's been going on in the background, and so it's (laughs) gonna be a star crossed lovers kind of thing. The
1: white hot star of Jeffrey Donovan.
0: Yeah.
2: so so they're gonna what is it the romeo and juliet they're they're gonna be the 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 yes perfect
0: (laughs) so it's gonna be sicario three night of verona i guess uh i don't don't know what that is we set our scene in romeo and juliet oh gotcha gotcha there i figured we might need some context for that stupid joke i just made um you you stuck the landing that's what's important thank you (laughs) Do we have any final thoughts on this movie before we close up?
1: I wish it was better.
0: Yeah, I um, like I said, I had fun with it. Oh shit, I remembered. I wanted to say that like my my theater was filled to the brim with um Hispanic families. Yeah, that's filled weird. Families. There was like a ten year old boy who was like sitting on his mom's lap next to me. That is too young. It, it, it makes it makes me really wonder if they saw the first film. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, like, like we said, it was on Amazon Prime. I imagine that like a lot of people saw it afterwards because it was nominated for three Academy Awards. But like, I just, you know, and they writing were like, cinematography. It, like, they, they loved it. They seemed to like be super into it. And when, when Benicio Del Toro came back to life, they were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they were all about it. And I, I am. Um, I wonder because like some of the people I know who are like the most adamant about things on the border and like illegal immigration and stuff like that are the legal Hispanic immigrants that I know. Uh, Like I live in an area that has a very large Hispanic immigrant community and there is like deep animosity between the people who are here legally and the people who are not. Like that is a real thing. And so I wonder if in some weird way this movie – and its marketing tapped into that and what we were basically seeing is like the maga hispanic crowd who came out and wanted to see like some horror visited upon the cartels that they either hate because they're coming into their communities or hate because they had to leave their homeland because of them like i don't i don't know what it was and i wasn't about to stand outside of a movie theater at 12:30 in the morning <laughs> on a saturday because i went and saw a 10 p.m. screening of this and be like excuse me <laughs> Madam, can I ask you why you came and saw this movie and what you got out of it? But it was just interesting to me. I was like looking around and I was like, this is a very Hispanic heavy screening. It was like when I went and saw Get Out and I was the only white guy. But that one I understood more than this one. Yes.
1: Part of it with this too is, I mean, I also don't know if you need to see the first one, right? Like...
0: Yeah, not There's particularly. A, right?
1: You no. Can, yeah. You, you can basically just I mean, because they cover all the bases, right? Like he was an attorney, his family was murdered. Like you you don't even need to know anything about Emily Blunt no, at all. Nope. Right. Nope. And all you need to know is that he and Matt Graver have an ongoing, long standing professional, like hoorah thing that they do, <laughs> where they yeah. just go into places and they destabilize, seemingly. That's like what they do together. Uh and I think, I think the movie set, like, you know who Matt Graver is immediately in that interrogation scene, oh, yeah. uh, without any context. Right. So,
0: and Holds he's got the Crocs brother. on.
1: Yeah. The Crocs are important. The Crocs yeah, are. Important.
0: Yeah. They're his, they're his like arc reactor in his chest. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Shay Wiggum's in this movie. Yeah. For four seconds. Then you know what? He fucking kills it. <laughs> <laughs> love, Does it me some Shay Wiggum in a Okay.
1: So, When the first Sicario came out, and maybe this is maybe this is a Taylor Sheridan thing, I don't know, because I feel the same way about Wind River. And I know you guys haven't seen it, but with Sicario and Wind River, I watched both of those, and I kind of was like, "Oh, this feels like if you took a whole season of True Detective and you whittled it it down to like two hours, Mm -hmm. right?" and so Wiggum popping up in this movie, I almost was like, oh, yeah, now it definitely is. It's like you have an oh. H- you're just peppering it with like TV actors and it's all it's all good.
0: Yeah. Shea Wiggum makes any movie better, you know, from nonstop to Sicario Day of the Soldado to even the abysmal Kong Skull Island. Oh. If Shea Island- Wiggum is in the movie, it's it's better because of it.
1: So I like to think that this is his character from the Fast and Furious franchise, <laughs> and he's just turned into, like, he's an arms dealer? That's what he does in this, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Th- something like that, right? He's
0: very clearly, like, a guy who the U.S. government, like, yeah, he he's... will sell—get get, mon- get uh, black weapons from.
2: Right, right. Well, okay. y- yeah, but, I mean, and that's that's the— the dumb smart kind of aspect of this movie is them basically being like, So, where's the money coming from? And he's like, Oh, it's an offshore account in the Bahamas. And, or it's it, it, he even it's like, a, like
1: it's a no, he gives it a name. It's like a, yeah. it's a Brazilian shell company yeah. with like and, some some name. yeah And
2: he's just like, he's just like, well, then I'm going to like rape that bank account and just be like name a number. And you're basically going to be like, OK, fine. Yeah, well, the guy like, wants
0: like two Blackhawk, hel- two Blackhawk helicopters on top of a bunch of other stuff. My favorite my favorite line that Shea Wiggum delivers is. It's not the Ukraine, is it? Because I have Russians that do yes. business with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. If you're an arms dealer, you got to be aware of conflicts like this. Sure,
1: sure. It really, it weirdly, is kind of like this. Like, yeah, like they go into the logistics of like, hey, how, hey well, just so you 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 know, audience, this is how all this is getting paid for and whatever. And it's like. It is just funny that like they were just like yeah let's get Shay. Shay Shay needs a paycheck we'll just give him the two seconds
0: and uh, he he can do it pretty much. So that's <sighs> our that's our review of Sicario Day of the Soldado. Um, looking forward to Sicario Three. Day <laughs> of the no Dawn of the Dead I don't even know <laughs>
1: Dawn Dawn of the Dawn of the Day of the Soldado. Hopefully it's shorter I'll say that. Yeah, I hope whatever title it is, it's it's way fewer words.
0: This should have been just called Soldado Day. (laughs) Soldado Day. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's it. Um, Hope you've enjoyed hearing us talk about this movie. Um, Stuff to remember. Patreon.com slash The Film Stage Show. Go there and give us your money. If you're a patron, you have a greater chance of winning John Waters – uh, film that I can't remember because I am dying of heat stroke as I sit here in my study. Uh, female trouble on Criterion. So go and do that. Um, keep an eye out on your feed for B side, which is uh Dan Mecca's new podcast that Connor is guest on for Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves. And yes, yeah. Course, yeah. I, I really do. I feel like I would like walk up to Mecca and be like, hey, man, can I be on your thing? And he would like stab me. <laughs> <laughs> just say, that's your fucking answer.
1: Um, I'll just keep that in the episode and let him tweet at you after he listens to it.
0: Oh, obviously. <laughs> um, I if, You know, it's like I am the Reyes cartel and he's the Matamoros. And, um, you know, you just can't put those, you can't bury those hatchets deep enough. They're always going <laughs> to come up bloody again.
1: And we're all just mad graver caught in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Michael Snydell is the Jeffrey Donovan. (laughs) Um, So that's it. Uh, Remember also that we are brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. Their curators select a new film every day for you to watch. You have 30 days to watch before it disappears into the ether. So that's a constantly rotating selection of curated films. So unlike Netflix, which dumps whatever the fuck it wants at the first of the month, this streaming service actually takes time to make sure that their movies are good and that you're being able to watch them and you can watch them wherever you want. Like your phone, if you're a monster, your laptop, your PC, your smart TV and all those things. So check it out for a free 30 day trial, go to MUBI.com slash filmstage. So that is it for day. Gentlemen, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. So let's start with our guest Connor.
1: Uh, Yeah, I, uh, you can find me on Twitter, it's uh, I'm at scruffy looking with zeros for the O's. I had to make it extra complicated. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, until then, you'll uh, you'll see me uh, at the end of July on uh, on the B side. Thanks,
0: Bill Graham.
2: Uh, you can find me trying to pick a little bit of change from LeBron James because apparently he's going to be making 154 million dollars over the next four years at the Lakers. So
0: so that's oh, breaking news. Yes, he is holy oh. shit. Again? Um didn't he he's the guy who screwed over that one place and left, right? <laughs> and then went back. And now he's leaving again? <laughs> went yeah. back and won them a championship. Oh, that's yes. what he promised
1: yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he, so did he did it. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Good for him, I guess.
1: Yeah. I can At
0: can I get can some do of that change?
2: The
1: fuck <laughs> they want.
0: Jesus. A hundred and fifty
2: four million dollars. <laughs> could, could, what you do he could sell finance you're worth. <laughs> He could self finance Sicario Three.
0: I'm just, I'm just I mean, putting that out there. That's true.
1: Uh, I mean, they, these movies only cost like thirty million dollars. So,
2: yeah.
0: LeBron, <laughs>
2: so, so yeah. he can make like five of
0: them. <laughs> yeah, this is oh, apparently geez. a thirty-five million dollar movie, and it made nineteen million this weekend. So, like, it'll probably at least break even, I assume, and maybe we'll get a third one.
1: I think the third one's going to be coming to us straight from Amazon Studios.
0: That's fine. <laughs> I'll fu- I'll honestly watch it. If they get Graeber and Alejandro back, I'm still on board. Because even though these are barely characters, I still like watching Del Toro and Brolin just doing their thing.
2: It's, it's funny because I was reading the Wikipedia, and they mention alejandro's last name over and over because you know that's the format that they kind of have to do but it's alejandro gillick and i kept on reading gillick on there and i was like who the fuck is gillick? <laughs> do they like, do they say his last name in the movie i don't, I don't think know so. okay <laughs> so it's just like they keep referring to him as gillick and i'm just like this makes no sense who the fuck is gillick
0: <laughs> that also is not the name i would have thought I don't but okay, <laughs> what if someone on Wikipedia is just fucking with Wikipedia''m like, just gonna entirely a weird name. it's, it's yeah. yeah it's it's
2: possible, it's possible, um anyways, yeah, uh and then find me on patreon uh the yeah mixing it up
0: yeah um yeah i uh you can find me on twitter uh fan casting Jeffrey Donovan into literally everything,
1: <laughs> and talking
0: <laughs> about what a weirdly like successful and big little summer. Little that fucking josh brolin's been having jesus christ yeah. right yeah between being thanos cable and now uh, uh matt graber Let me- so, so he's no, kind of Graver, Graver. a Graver. growing up named Matt Graver and so this really fucking throws me off talking about these so movies so he's, he's
2: kind of three for three being like the
0: best part of all of those movies you don't think Del Toro is the best part of this movie? Uh, I, I, think I, I think Del Toro is the, the best that. part of this I think movie it's,
1: okay alright well yeah. he's also the best part of Infinity
0: War oh well yes, yes. <laughs> um, anyway so you can find me on Twitter talking about all that stuff uh, Jeffrey Donovan Love Forever uh, at Brian J. Rowan and uh, my personal site, dearfilm.net, and my writing and stuff at filmstage.com where you can find all of these episodes. And, um, yeah, Brian Jerome is my, my shit on everything else because I'm deeply uncreative and what people able to find me. So check me out. I'm awesome. And uh, join us next week when we'll be talking about something.